Are you passionate about creating a physical product, something you can touch, feel, or taste, and then get paid for it by those that love what you've created? Well, the Product Launch Rebel Podcast is the one for you, where you get insider tips on how to spot an opportunity, manufacture your product, get financing, and achieve the independence you've always dreamed about. It's time to crank it up with your host, product developer, investor, and founder of VentureSuperfly.com, John Benzik. Greetings, Product Launch Rebels, and welcome to the Product Launch Rebel podcast. I'm your host, John Benzik from VentureSuperfly.com, the website that helps you double your entrepreneurial courage, even if you're in a sea of self-doubt. Today's episode is going to be super fun. My guest today is Shauna Martin. She's the CEO and founder of Daily Greens, which is a cold-pressed juice company based in Austin, Texas. Everything they produce is organic with fair trade ingredients, non-GMO, the works, which is really great for you and for the planet. To learn more about Shauna and her company, visit drinkdailygreens.com. Shauna Martin, thanks for taking the time. I'm excited that you're here and welcome to the Product Launch Rebel podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm excited too. Yeah, terrific. So Shauna, within this podcast, there are three segments. The first is called Give Me the Basics, which helps set the context about your company for our listeners. The second part is what I call Tell Me How, where we'll get to the heart of the matter on issues that aspiring entrepreneurs want to know now to help them move forward. And the final part is the let's get personal piece where we get into some of the more personal topics about what it's like to start a business. Shauna, it's time for some questions. Are you ready for the interview? I'm ready. (laughs) Shauna, tell us the story. How did you originally come up with the Daily Greens idea? Well, my, my story with green juice actually starts about 12 years ago. I was diagnosed with breast cancer at a young age of 33. Um, my sister was simultaneously diagnosed with breast cancer. She was 31 at the time. And as you can imagine, it was quite a shocking event for both of us um, at such a young age. We didn't have any family history. We don't have a genetic defect for breast cancer. So, you know, the only logical conclusion was that it was somehow environmental, something we were exposed to as young kids probably is what our doctor said, given that we were simultaneously diagnosed at such young ages. Um, So it set us on a, a kind of a new path. We both, of course, did full treatment, chemotherapy, double mastectomies. But after that was all said and done, our risk of still dying from cancer was, in my opinion, unacceptably high. And so I went on a journey to try to figure out answers as to why this had possibly happened to us and to change any aspects of my life that I could to make sure it didn't come back and that we didn't die from breast cancer. So um, my journey took me to try to um, research and understand the connection between food and disease and then more importantly, how we make our food and what you know, pesticides and chemicals are in the food that we consume on an everyday basis. That journey led me to, over a period of time, become vegan. I've been vegan for over 10 years, completely plant-based. Um, and it also led me to drink, a, to make a, an organic green juice for myself every day and lead an organic lifestyle, you know, in all aspects of my life. Um, but I realized after a few years, there was really something to the green juice. It really was just like miracle juice. I felt amazing. I felt 
healed from all my chemotherapy and surgeries. I had more energy than I'd ever had before. And I really felt that there was something magical about drinking a green juice every day, whether you were gonna be plant-based or not. I felt like everybody should share in this amazing habit. So I started buying my friends and family juicers. I started evangelizing everybody. I could, everybody that would listen to me about drinking a green juice every day. And I would get a lot of people, you know, drinking a green juice and making it for themselves. But after about three or four months, most people would, you know, say, hey, you know what? You're right. The benefits of drinking one of these every day is undeniable, but it's just too hard. I have kale exploding out of my refrigerator. It's just, I can't do it, you know? Um, love your pond water. That's what everybody called my green juice. I would walk around with 32 ounces of what everybody called <laughs> pond water. <laughs> yeah. Love your pond water. I agree it's good for me. And if you would ever make it for me, I would buy it from you, but I, I just can't do it. And that was always very disappointing to me to see people understand how good it was for them, but not continue with that really healthy habit. And how much of a production is it or was it to do that out of your kitchen? It's about 30 minutes, like if you're quick and efficient, to get all the vegetables assumed, wash them, chop them up bite size, juice them, and then clean up your juicer. It's 30 to 45 minute project. Wow, so that is a production. Yeah. It's a process to make your own juice. It's still amazing. I still like to make juice in my kitchen. But um, but most people aren't willing to take that, that much time out of their day. And we're busy. We're busy people, right? We're always on the go. So about, about four years ago, a little over four years ago, I came to a bit of a crossroads in my career. And I thought, you know, what is the thing... I'm most passionate about in life and why, why am I not doing that right now? <laughs> and I, you know, I had to admit to myself, the thing I'm most passionate about is making green juice for people. Um, because I really believe it changes people's lives. Drinking a green juice every day changes the way you eat the rest of the day. When you consume that many concentrated nutrients in one setting, specifically on an empty stomach, you're kind of setting yourself up to eat a much better diet the rest of the day because you're not malnourished anymore and you're not dehydrated. So you're hydrated and you know, you've just down all these amazing organic nutrients. Um, and so you set yourself up to be much cleaner eating the rest of the day. You're not going to consume the carbohydrates or the other bad food that your body craves when it's not getting enough nutrients. And so I, I just, I really think it changes everybody's lives if they consistently drink one every day. Definitely changes the way you eat. There's no doubt about it. And what was um, your previous occupation? So I'm a lawyer. I practiced law for 18 years before I started Daily Greens. And um, I really have no nutrition background. I'm not a nutritionist. I'm self-taught in that, in that arena. I guess you would say I'm a self-taught vegan chef as well. So I just come at this from a passion of wanting to, you know, wanting to heal myself and wanting to heal the world. Um, because I so passionately believe that everybody should have a green juice every day, the mission and vision of my company is to make it affordable and to make it accessible. And that's what we're going about, about doing as a company. So four years ago, when you sort of came to the realization and did some soul searching on that, how crystal clear was that identifying that that's what you wanted to do? And then to take a step further and to explore it being an actual business. How crisp of a decision and, and therefore action was that? Well, I looked around and I realized that there was juice, there were juice bars popping every, up everywhere. And that would be, you know, that'd be an easy thing to do, just pop up a juice bar locally, right? Um, but that didn't really fit with the mission and vision I had in mind because 
a juice bar is probably only going to be in some urban place, right? And I, again, I believe everybody needs green juice. And so how am I going to do that? Well, I need to sell it to retail outlets. I need to sell it to Target, Whole Foods, Costco, every, every grocery store I can get my hands on, even Walgreens, right? It needs to get out there. And so juice bar didn't really fit with my plan. Um, making it on a mass scale and getting it out there to grocery stores, that had to be the plan if I was really going to get it everywhere. So I, um, I, I, you know, I'm a lawyer, so it was pretty easy for me to research, you know, the, the FDA requirements for making juice. And this was very cutting edge four years ago. Um, I went to L.A. and researched the companies that existed out there, and there were a couple. There was a, a company in New York also already making um, juices, um, in a raw format, in other words, not pasteurized. Because when you pasteurize a juice, you heat it up, and you do kill the harmful bacteria, you also kill most of the nutrients. So I wasn't interested in that. I wanted to make juice that was as close to the raw version I made at home as possible. And so um, I realized that folks, there was a couple companies in California using a process called high-pressure processing. Um, and it's basically taking the juice already bottled, um, already in a final format and putting it in a hyperbaric machine that would basically um, put pressure on it that would kill the harmful bacteria like E. coli, salmonella, listeria, also regular yeast and molds, which gives it a nice shelf life, which allows you to ship across the country. Um, and so I didn't know where I could find one of these machines. I just heard of them. And I understood that the product Holy Guacamole actually was using one of these machines to maintain the shelf life of the avocados. And they were in Texas, and I'm in Austin, Texas. So I cold called the CEO of Holy Guacamole, and he actually took my call. And he pointed me in the direction of a machine that was in Texas. It was the only machine in Texas at the time. It was up in Dallas. And so we formed a relationship there. The owner of the company was very kind and took me under his wing. And you know, I said, I'll probably only bring 60 bottles at a time at first. And he, he said that was okay. And uh, so I, I, I formed a relationship with a local commercial kitchen and incorporated the help of my cousin. And, you know, midnight one night, we made 60 bottles and took it to the farmer's market the next morning. And it sold out almost immediately. And um, the next weekend, we did two farmer's markets. The next weekend, we did four farmer's markets. And by the fourth weekend, we were like in all five farmer's markets in Austin. And... Um, and had started delivering to a couple co-ops. That is such a bold decision to just sort of come to that conclusion and then act on it. I'm really impressed and inspired by it as well. Let's get really basic here. Now, everybody drinks juice from time to time, but, but you call yours green juice. What does that mean? Well, it means that every juice that we produce starts with a base of dark greens. And the dark greens are really important because dark greens are the most nutrient-dense plants on the planet, and that's what you really want to get at. You know, when I was young, we would juice the champion juicer, but we would juice like carrots and fruits and, you know, pretty high sugar things, also with nice nutrients, but the greens provide an amazing source of nutrients without all those sugars, and that's why the greens are so important. So every juice we that I make every recipe I do starts with a base. I'm thinking of which dark green can I get into the hands of you know my consumers. Um, so there's a huge variety of them. So because of that, almost all of our juices are green in color. Not all of them. We've got some. We've got a new lineup of green aids that are different, beautiful colors. But they all also have a superfood green as the base. We use um, water algaes. 
blue-green algaes um, as the base of greens in that line. Um, but they have some fun colors. But by and large, most of our products are green in color. And in terms of what makes you really, really unique among Naked Juice, Adwala Juice, and all the others, is it is it in a nutshell that unpasteurized green density? Right. So our product is not pasteurized. We use a high pressure process, which is a hyperbaric chamber. It's pressure on the outside of the bottle. So, right. So those products you just mentioned are pasteurized with heat, which kills a good portion of their nutrients. And then um, the other thing that I think that makes us really unique is the way we prepare the product. So we start with 100% plant, like the whole plant, like the whole piece of kale, the whole celery, the whole cucumber. And we actually juice that um, in its entirety and we don't add any water to our core line of green juices. And so a lot of corner cutting is being done in this arena with using PRAs, um, which have been heat flash pasteurized, adding water to them. Um, so there's a lot of corners you can cut. Um, and we make it very pure in the exact same way I made it in my kitchen all those years, um, which is you know starting with organic plants and using the whole plant. Fantastic. Who do you sell to in terms of retailers and what channels in a nutshell? Well, we're currently in all channels. We have um, a food service business um, that's usually like on campuses and like university campuses and like educational campuses um, and corporate campuses. We, we of course, um, the core of our business is in the natural the natural world, which is where we started in Whole Foods. We were national with Whole Foods in like year two of our business. Sprouts, natural grocer. So we feel like we kind of dominate in the natural channel. Um, but we're also in conventional channels. You can find us in some Safeways and some Kroger's. Um, you can find us in Targets. Um, you can find us in Costco's. So, and um, Pretty broad and, and deep broad, in some yeah. instances. Pretty much every channel is covered. I think we're going to be in the spring in some, in some uh, drug channels as oh, well. Exciting. How many products do you offer? Um, our current lineup is we have six core greens, and then we have a new line called our Green Aid line. There's five flavors in that. Um, and then we have another line called Just Veggies, and there's three, there's three flavors in that. So I guess that totals up to be 14. How many employees do you have now? 15, sorry, 15 flavors. Oh, sure. <laughs> Can't do math. We have just under 50 employees. It usually bounces around around like 42 to 45 employees, um, including all of our production employees. And that first year, just because we're talking to aspiring entrepreneurs, that first year, what did your employment situation look like at that time? How many employees? So it was a little crazy. Um, I couldn't actually pay anybody for the first couple months. So everybody kind of worked for free on a promise that I would be able to raise money, which I did within about four months. I raised money for us. And I think we had, I don't know, maybe like four or five employees <laughs> the first couple months. We worked out of a really small commercial kitchen, which we immediately outgrew. <laughs> yeah. Shauna, most entrepreneurs go into business with a set of assumptions. And many of those assumptions prove to be much different from what they expected, thereby making them scramble to make changes to survive. Regarding Daily Green's uniqueness, did your original assumption about that uniqueness prove motivating to consumers, or did you discover a slightly different selling proposition after being in business for a while and after getting some customer feedback? I think our core mission, vision, and uh, value proposition has continued to ring true through time. I mean, we've sort of morphed, I think, the way we talk about green juice 
um, a little bit as the consumers have become more educated on it. I mean, we used to really have to educate people on why greens, why green juice, why why is it so important that you buy the high pressure processed version versus heat pasteurized version. But the concepts really haven't changed, um, and the value proposition that we represent really hasn't changed. We've really we've really trade we've really stayed true to like our values throughout the whole time. Um, so I think the assumptions were right. I would say my assumptions on how easy it would be to build a beverage business. Now those were those were not spot on. <laughs> right. I think being in the beverage business is one of the most difficult things you can choose to do. But um, but it's been exciting and challenging all at the same time, which means that it's really rewarding as well. So, Shauna, here we are in the Tell Me How segment of the podcast, where we aim to get to the heart of the matter regarding key issues for aspiring entrepreneurs. Shauna, did you originally raise capital for Daily Greens? Yes, I brought on my first investor um, when we were about four months old as a company. I was lucky to find somebody that really believed in me. Um, after about a year, um, he actually became um, fully ingrained in the business and actually runs operations for the business today. So I was very lucky to find somebody that um, has proved to be an amazing business partner. And as we've needed future capital, he has had the right connections to help us source those capital partners. Was he in the industry before? He was not. It's a pretty unique story. Neither one of us were in the industry. So we've had to bring on you know, folks that do have that industry knowledge, but we're both quick learners and we've learned it pretty quick. Did you actively seek him out or was it more serendipitous? Um, No, I was actively seeking capital and I got partnered with him through um, some mutual, you know, through a mutual party. Um, And then as it turns out, you know, we know, you know, we know all the same people. (laughs) Texas is a very small place or can be a small place. And did you, after that initial raise of capital, have you raised capital from other sources? And how have you been able to do that? Yes, um, we, we, we did an, uh, another angel round and then we brought on some investment from a strategic partner and then um, most recently from a, from a private equity firm. And how difficult has that been in making those critical decisions about who to get involved with your business? I mean, those are the most important decisions I think you can make is who you involve in your business and making sure that they believe in your mission and your vision. For me, it's never been difficult to raise money. Um, and maybe that's my background. I was an M&A lawyer. Um, so that is something that I did um, from a lawyer perspective. So, I, But where I see a lot of entrepreneurs stumble is on the fundraising piece where they'll find somebody. And, you know, the way um, the way food and beverage deals are done is, you know, it's, I wouldn't say cookie cutter, but there's a, you know, there's a format to it. And when an entrepreneur doesn't understand what that format is, they spend way too much time negotiating it, getting really, you know, um, worked up over it. And because I understand the legal piece of all that, it's been pretty, um, we've been able to raise money pretty expeditiously and close deals very quickly once we found the right partner. And I think that has definitely been a key to our success. What's the format? 
I mean, there's there's a basic set, depending on what type of investor you're dealing with, there's definitely a you know starting point of terms that's pretty standard in the industry. And honestly, across industries, you know, I think a lot of entrepreneurs, because they don't have a background in money raising, you know, they were the they were the chef that came up with the really cool burger idea, right? So they don't really have a lot of business acumen and or and or legal experience, they, they kind of stumble on this piece and get really wrapped around the axle as far as how much equity they're giving up. And that's a big mistake, I think. You're gonna have to give up equity to build your company. You can't build it without capital. So you seek the best advice you can on these matters and you go with it. How smoothly did the capital raise go? It sounded like you were really good at getting and closing those deals. Did it always go really smoothly? I wouldn't say it would always go smoothly, but we were able to do them very quickly, which is really important. Every raise we've done, we've done in you know just a couple months. And sometimes these things drag out for six months to a year. Let's talk about finding somebody to help you produce and manufacture the product. At what point did you hand the manufacturing off to somebody else? Well, we don't. We do it all ourselves. I didn't know that. Well, that's... We have a 20,000 square foot plant in Austin, Texas. <laughs> Is that right? And, and how did you ever consider outsourcing that part of your business? Yeah, I mean, right from the very beginning, I definitely cold called like every juice manufacturer in Texas to see if they would do the process I wanted to do, which was cold pressing, taking the whole plants, cold pressing, and then taking the resulting product and high pressure processing it. Four years ago, none of that equipment existed. I think I bought the first cold press machine in the state of Texas. Um, and definitely there was no one doing high pressure processing. Um, the only machine that existed in Texas was largely being used to process deli meat. So we were very much pioneers in this space. And so we had no choice but to just buy the equipment and create the manufacturing plant ourselves. I literally drew the lines on the ground of the current manufacturing plant laying out where the equipment would lie. We had no choice. We had to do it ourselves. And, you know, I, I still think that it, of our competitors, it's really kind of narrowed down to about three of us and we all three of us do it ourselves because there's really, there's, there's really, it's, we were pioneers, I guess you would say. And, um, once we had the machinery and we're doing it ourselves, why on earth would we go to a co-packer? Yeah, absolutely. And do you offer excess capacity to help other people produce? Not really. We, we, we're growing really fast and we pretty much stay at capacity. Mm -hmm. uh, we add tanks and lines as we need them. What has been your biggest challenge in actually doing the production for your product? Well, I mean, producing your own anything is just always has its challenges, right? I think the thing that we're always like looking out for is better sources for our raw ingredients. So partnering directly with farms, you know, is always, I think, our biggest um, and best challenge, right? We're always on the lookout um, for new organic farmers conventional farmers that are willing to turn more of their land over to organics because, you know, their land has to sit for about three years before they can start producing organic produce. But that's one of our big um, sort of missions and core values is to really support the farmers that are willing to make the leap over to organic. And we want to we want to help them do that. And we want to support them. Um, and so I think that's probably one of our biggest manufacturing challenges is like the sourcing and, and you know, making sure it's done correctly and helping farmers, you know, encouraging them to move to organic. Let's shift gears a little and talk a little bit about selling your product to retailers. Early on, how did you learn to do that? What were those first approaches like? 
we got our first three customers without any broker in our business. You need to really use a broker to get appointments with buyers. But um, through sort of just being scouted at the farmer's market and, you know, just calling, cold calling and figuring out the name of a couple buyers, we were able to get into most of our local grocery stores in Texas without even using a sales force or a broker. <laughs> so that was just, you know, tenacity and being willing to pick up the phone and figure out who to talk to. What sort of resistance did you get? Locally, you know, most retailers are, they want to support their local vendors. And so I, we didn't get met with a lot of resistance. We were new, cutting edge. People have been hearing about green juice and the fact that there might be somebody local doing it. Um, we were pretty well received. But um, I learned very quickly that to get out, out of the state of Texas, I was going to need to hire a sales broker, which we did pretty quickly. And once you get it in the stores... Sometimes that's the easiest part, and the hardest part seems to be getting it off the shelves by creating awareness and demand among consumers. How were you able to help with getting it pulled from the store shelves by consumers coming in and trying it? Well, in the early days, we had to do a lot of demos because people didn't know what green juice tasted like. Um, I think that that time has passed, and we now focus a lot more on you know digital marketing efforts. Um, which have proven to be very effective. Everything's moving very, very much digital these days. Shauna, let's get personal on a few topics. It seems that nine out of 10 people just talk about starting a business, but they never start one. Starting a business is special and pretty unusual. What motivates a person like you, Shauna Martin, to just stop talking about launching a business and actually go out and start a business like Daily Greens? Well, I was just obsessed with it. You know, there was really no logic to it. I mean, I, I call myself an accidental entrepreneur because there was no logical reason to stop practicing law and start making green juice. <laughs> In fact, it, just, it defied logic. So my conclusion as to why I did it was I just could not do it. I couldn't help myself. I really, really believe that I can change the way people eat and thereby changing the way people eat, I can help stop the obesity problem that we have in our country. And I just felt so passionate about trying to help people change the way they ate something better and stop the diseases, you know, beyond obesity, all the other diseases that we basically have as Americans basically stem from the way we eat. I'm a believer in that. And so it just would break my heart to see people suffering from diseases and obesity when I knew all they had to do was eat better. And I found that the green juice was just a gateway to getting people to eat better and so I became so obsessed with the idea of helping everybody in this area that I just could not do it. I had to. I had no choice. <laughs> yeah. And, and growing up and early in your career, are you someone that people refer to as highly passionate about things? In other words, you, you referred earlier about saying, I couldn't not do it. And I think I can relate to that on a number of things. I always had something in my life that I just was really evangelical about. But do you think you always had that or was this the one thing that struck you? No, I've always been very passionate about my career. And even though uh, it's been a legal career, it has been very entrepreneurial. I've been an executive in big companies that were buying other companies and building companies. And I like building things. I, I know that about myself. And, and every job I've ever had before, when the passion was gone, I would move on. You know, and so I definitely don't, you know, and, and this also comes from my breast cancer experience. You know, that's a real wake up call when you realize, wow, I might die. Right. Um, and so you you vow and you conclude that I'm not going to do something that I'm not passionate about. 
Um, so I think it's a combination of sort of my my built-in sort of personality to want to do things I'm passionate about, as well as just my life experience having breast cancer and realizing that, you know, I don't know how many more moments I have on this planet, so I need to spend them doing something that I really believe in. What has been your biggest joy or what have you been most proud of since starting Daily Greens? I think it's definitely the most challenging thing I've ever done, but also the most rewarding. And it's so rewarding when I can, when I hear a story as from a complete stranger of how Daily Greens has changed their life. And there are lots and lots of stories like that, transformational stories about how people have, you know, lost 80 pounds drinking Daily Greens or stopped smoking or cured themselves or, or from a disease like an autoimmune disease by basically drinking in daily greens every day. That's life changing. And it's really rewarding to realize that what you're putting, you know, all your blood, sweat and tears into is actually changing lives. And what has kept you up at night most of the time, the frustrations since starting a business? Well, it's just never easy. <laughs> there are these days when you're like, wow, okay. <laughs> When does this ever get easy? Wow, even now. Even now, even now, it never gets easier. There's always so many challenges to running a business, particularly a business where you make your own product, right? You can't go yell at a co-packer. You know, the buck stops with, you know, you um, because you're in charge um, of all aspects of the business. So it just never gets easy. And um, I think, you know, the advice I usually give to entrepreneurs is, you know, this is not an easy career. So make sure whatever you choose, whatever business you choose to get into, that you believe in it with your heart and soul, um, because there are going to be really, really hard days. And the only thing that's going to get you through that is the passion you have for what you're doing and the belief you have in what you're doing. Do those frustrations, now the 80-20 rule, where 20% of what you do produces 80% of the results. And I'm just wondering, in terms of the frustrations aspect of that, do you think most of the frustration comes from manufacturing and production or human resources or sales and marketing or what is it? All the above. I see. <laughs> Running a business business is just never easy. Yeah. <laughs> and it will definitely keep you up at night. <laughs> yeah. Many entrepreneurs, even seasoned ones, experience self-doubt as they go along their entrepreneurial journey. Shauna, how much self-doubt have you had, if any, and maybe what have you done to deal with that? Well, I mean, we were faced, you know, periodically with really big, um, you know, decisions in the business, strategic decisions about, you know, how we're going to sell, how we're going to price, who we're going to sell to, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a very complicated business. And yes, when you get to some of those strategic decisions and you have to just make a decision and go with it and hope it's the best decision, yeah, you have self-doubt about those. You, 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 know, you really have to soul search and see, is this the right decision? But then you just got to make it because the worst thing to do is not make a decision. So you just got to go with the best information you have and then ultimately go with your gut and what your gut is telling you is the right thing to do and make sure the decision fits into your company's mission, vision, and core values. And then you just make it and you get on with it and hope for the best. Yeah. And as you've described, starting a business is so difficult. How has starting your business changed you as a person, if at all? I would say it's made me really appreciate like maybe kind of the small things. You know what I mean? 
time with like my friends and family and you know I have a 12 year old son because it's such an all consuming thing to be an entrepreneur that it makes you really appreciate you know that you didn't realize probably in your prior career how much time you actually had to spend with friends and family and then once you become an entrepreneur it's all consuming and so it makes you really appreciate all those all the moments you have with your special people what do you think you've learned most about yourself I think that I'm very resilient. Um, when, when I set my mind to do something, that it's going to happen. And I just have to, you know, if I believe in it and believe in what needs to happen, that I will figure out a way to make it happen. I, I probably, I wasn't, I'm not sure I realized that that about myself. You know what I mean? Um, I always had a boss and worked for, you know, multiple layers of, you know, people. But it's kind of refreshing as an entrepreneur to realize, okay, this is what needs to happen. I've set my mind to it. We'll figure out the resources and we will make it happen. And so I've realized that I, that's maybe a unique ability and probably something that's unique to an entrepreneur is to have that sort of belief in what you do. That's You believe in something so much that it's going to happen because you believe in it so much. And I think that's what separates out entrepreneurs from possibly non-entrepreneurs <laughs> is that belief in what you're doing <laughs> that's unwavering. Who has been most influential to you, Shauna, either professionally or personally? Like over my entire career or with regard to Daily Greens? Anything or both. I mean, I think my parents, you know, they, they definitely like raised me right with the right kind of value system and the right morals. And I think they definitely still influence, you know, a lot of my decisions. I'll, you know, if I come to a decision, you know, I'll think, you know, what would my parents think about this? You know, is this the right thing to do for, for not only me, but for everybody around me? Shauna, did I miss any questions that you feel like you'd like to provide answers to, or do you have any closing pieces of advice for our aspiring entrepreneur listeners? I think that entrepreneurs should always consider the environment with regard to their business, and then also, are they doing something for others? Um, sort of the social entrepreneur aspects of their business. At Daily Greens, we've always given back approximately 1% of our top line revenue to organizations that support young women that are battling breast cancer. Hmm. Um, and of course that comes from my, you know, my story and, and how I started the company and how it came to be. But it's also really important money um, that goes to these women who, um, like myself, um, are battling breast cancer at a really young age. Um, so I'm really proud of that. We've really done it from day one, um, from starting the business. Um, and then I think the other thing that entrepreneurs need to think about is how their business is impacting the environment. And we try to be a zero waste facility at Daily Greens. We recycle 100% of our byproduct that comes off of making the green juice back into either other products or um, it goes to a worm farm and turns into soil. So I think those are two things that entrepreneurs need to not lose sight of when it comes to starting a business. How are you impacting others with your business? Well, it's such a great holistic view of it all. Shauna, you've been a fantastic guest offering some great stories and advice to our aspiring entrepreneur listeners. Congratulations on your success for your entrepreneurial courage and for sharing your experiences with us today. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me. It was fun. Well, you've just listened to another episode of Product Launch Rebel featuring John Benzik of Venture Superfly. To download episodes of previous shows or for other entrepreneur-related resources, visit VentureSuperfly.com. Be sure to like Venture Superfly on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, 
and subscribe to Product Launch Rebel in iTunes. Join us for our next Product Launch Rebel episode, where we'll continue to reveal insider tips on how to launch and grow your physical product-based business.